Hello everyone, my name's Nick and uh, I'm, I'm one of the leaders here at, the, at Hope Church. And uh, just to give you a, a bit about myself, I'm married to Corey, and uh, we've got three children. Um, we've got a 19-year-old who is at uni in Canterbury, and she's getting married next, next summer, so that's exciting. And uh, then I've got a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old teenagers who are doing their A-levels and GCSEs, respectively. So, um, yeah, so a busy household. And uh, what I'd like you to do is turn to um, Judges uh, chapter 6. And uh, we're going to come back to this a bit later on. We're going to be looking a bit this morning at the story of Gideon. And, uh, but before we do that, I'm going to just kind of give you a bit of context where we are. So over the past few weeks, we've been looking at um, what the Bible says about sex, about gender, about marriage about relationships, about our bodies. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the whole area of children. And uh, we're going to touch on parenting and bringing up children um, today. And we've been looking at this whole philosophy of um, expressive individualism, which has kind of sprung up in our culture over the past decades. So it's my rights, it's my way, your truth is your truth, and that's okay as long as it doesn't affect or offend or impact on me. And uh, this philosophy, it won't surprise you, has crept into how our society sees children. So this has led to some huge contradictions. So on one hand, there's absolute outrage, and quite rightly so, when a child is murdered or abused. And there's been some terrible high-profile cases recently, haven't there? But then on the other hand... There's the same outrage when a mother is not allowed to abort her unborn child, as this infringes on her rights. But what about the, the, the rights of the unborn child? And society seems to swing between two extremes. So we make children the centre, or we neglect children entirely to pursue our own goals and ambitions. And when it comes to parenting, it's often all about what the kid wants, isn't it? We must ensure that our child is able to express themselves. It's this individual expressiveness again, isn't it? Be who they want to be, what they want, when they want, at whatever cost. And again, it goes, for, it goes for, to, in extremes, doesn't it? So you, you have the classic parent on the touchline wanting their child in the football to be the best footballer and I'll give them what they want, all the best kit. Come on, you can do this. Or it can be confused about, well, what gender is my child? And there's massive contradictions in this expressive individualism. And our families are daily, hourly, and sometimes overtly, really in your face, sometimes subtly, bombarded with the world's attitudes and agendas. And often we have some control over it, and I was chatting with a friend before the meeting about how we lay down boundaries for our children. Sometimes we have control. Sometimes we don't. And, you know, our families experience and see things and, and have to put up with things that we really don't want them to. And it won't shock you to hear that 70% of children have accidentally encountered online pornography 
while doing a web search whilst doing their homework. It won't shock you that the average child is exposed to 200,000 violent acts or 16,000 murders on TV by the age of 18. I actually thought it was higher than that, but those figures are shocking in, them, in themselves, aren't they? How do we as Christians respond to that onslaught? How do we as parents and guardians or just concerned adults in the room protect our children from this? Or what about anxiety and stress and worry? According to a recent survey, four out of five children have worries about the future. They worry about relationships, they worry about climate, they worry about personal violence towards themselves. And what about parents today? Embattled, worried, stressed. A recent survey states that 66% of parents feel burnt out, exhausted with juggling modern life and bringing up children. How do we train our children in this environment to, grow, to live godly, fruitful, and secure lives, knowing Jesus and loving his ways. Well, I want to encourage us this morning, and I have started with those horrible stats, but I want to encourage us this morning that as followers of Jesus, and we've been hearing about it this morning, haven't we? Jesus changes lives. We can take heart. We need not fear. We need not shrink back. We need not give up and throw in the towel because in Jesus, there is a better way. There's a better way for our families, for our children, and for our parenting. And this is what I want to talk about and unpick a bit this morning. Jesus has big plans for our kids. He has big plans and ambitions for our children to use them to bring his light, his gospel to this society, now as children and in the future as adults. And I'm not going to, today, I'm not going to give you tips about how to monitor your kids' mobile phones or how to discipline your kids or what time they should go to bed. I think, you know, there's loads of amazing resources about, out there about that. And if you are concerned about those things, come and talk to people in the church. I know the Parenting Life Group is doing a lot on that at the moment, and Nicola and Fiona are doing a great job on that. But this morning, I want to talk to us about overriding biblical foundations that we need to know and we need to apply in our parenting, in our developing our children. Because to love and follow Jesus is the best Thing, the most important thing that anyone can do in their lives. And we were created to have a relationship with God, and through Jesus we can, and we've heard all about that this morning. Corey and I have always said to each other, do you know what, we don't, I don't care if my children are rocket scientists or have a, a, the most menial job. I don't care where they live. I don't, you know, I don't care if they have to live with us for years, whatever. But what I do care about is that they know Jesus. That is the most important thing. That is, has been our mission to make sure that our children know Jesus because he is what our children need. So I'm, I feel God has given me four words this morning, okay, for the church. And the first word is family. So I'm going to just want to read you a, a smattering of verses from the New Testament. So listen to these. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Love one another with brotherly affection. 
Encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You get the picture. We are now family. We are now a family. We belong to Jesus. We are in Christ. We are united. Different people from different backgrounds, different ages, different cultures. We are now one in Christ. We are his body. We are related. All of us are related to each other. And we have responsibility for each other. And you see that, don't you, in these verses. Encourage each other. Teach each other. Admonish each other. Show, give wisdom to each other. Build each other up. Speak truth to each other. Teaching and bringing up children is not just the responsibility of parents, guardians, blood relatives, the kids' workers, those who teach and preach. It is all of our responsibility as a family. We all have responsibility for this, whether you like children or not. I let you into a secret. I don't really like children. <laughs> but I have three and I love them. <laughs> and I love your children because I'm told to <laughs> and I want to because I know what's good for them. There are many people here who haven't got kids. And you can support families in this church. You can encourage, you can disciple, you can teach, you can give time. We had Abby, the kids worker over for dinner this week, and she was saying she's absolutely desperate for kids workers down in, downstairs. I'd encourage you, if you can give your time to that, please do consider it. It's a privilege. We all have something to bring. Let's take our responsibility to our family seriously. Let's take our responsibility to teach and admonish and grow and develop and support and build up our children seriously as a family, as a body of Christ. If you'd like to turn now to Gideon, and we're going to read a few verses from Gideon. Gideon, sorry, not Gideon, Judges, rather. I'd like to turn to Judges, and we're going to read about Gideon. Judges 6, verse 11, for a few verses. It's going to come up on the screen if you haven't got your Bible with you. So here we go. Now, I just want to give you a bit of context. So the people of God were being oppressed by two tribes, the Amechalites and the Midianites. And they were stealing their property, they were um, grabbing their livestock, they were ruining their crops. And the people of God cried out to God, and they said, God, we need your help. And God, in his grace and mercy, he sent, he rose up a man called Gideon. Now, I love Gideon, if anyone's ever read about him, because he is totally normal. Okay, so let's read these verses. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abazrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please my Lord, if the Lord is with us, well, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? 
And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, Gideon, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. I love this story because, as I said, Gideon is so normal. And when an angel of the Lord comes to him, his first response is to be cynical and to be negative and to go, but God, God hasn't looked after us. You know, look at us. Look at the state we're in. But I love it because God perseveres with him. And God says, go, O mighty man of valor. He's far from a mighty man of valor, as I can imagine. He's hiding away in a wine press. He's beating the corn, whatever he's doing, because he's scared. This is not what I would call, what the world would call, a mighty man of valor. And look what Gideon says over himself. How can I? My family's the weakest. I'm the least important in my family. I'm nothing. No one even listens to me. And look at the words that God speaks over Gideon. O mighty man of valor, go in this might of yours. What might of yours? Go in this might of yours. Gideon was full of fear. Gideon felt overwhelmed. Gideon had become cynical. But God gets to the crux of the matter. I am with you, Gideon. I am with you. And in God's light, in God's strength, in the fact that God was with Gideon, God saw Gideon very differently. This is an ongoing theme, isn't it, throughout history? We are all testimony to this. God uses weak people. God uses normal people. God uses scared people. God uses normal people to accomplish his great works, his purposes. And as Christians this morning, as parents here this morning, we are weak. We are weak. It's a joke, isn't it, in human eyes, that we have been given responsibility to take the word of God forward. God has ordained us as his body to preach good news. It's a joke, isn't it? As parents, you've been given these precious souls to look after. Yes, it's a joke. But in God, with God on our side, in Christ, things change. And Gideon's response sometimes reminds me of my parenting, if I'm honest. Overwhelmed, hiding away, fearful, trying to ignore that things, pretend that things aren't happening. I've, I've often thought, I just want to run away to a little boffy in Scotland, turn off the news, and forget everything that's going on in this world. All this stuff that we've been talking about over the past few weeks, I just want to ignore it. Because it's too hard to focus on, it's too hard to deal with, it's too hard to get my head around. But God has called me and you as parents, called us as a church to lead our children through this. But God, I, I know, mighty man of valour. But God, I'm, we're, no. Go in this might of yours. Psalm 139 verse 16 says that all the days of your child's life were written in God's book. And this includes the fact that you are their parent. God ordains you to be their parent. You are the best person for this job. And the second word that God has given me is fear. And it links in with Gideon. Fear, as we could see in Gideon's story, 
has many effects, doesn't it, on us. It cripples us. It stops us from moving forward. We bury our heads in the sand. We, you know, it can cause us to be overly controlling. It can cause us to control situations, control people, because we're just so scared. We can't cope with it. Fear stops us and the people around us from reaching their true potential. And you can see this in Gideon. But either way, fear is not God's plan for us as his followers. God's plan, Jesus' plan for us as individuals, as parents, as families, is to give us not a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. Now, I've enlisted six people in, this, in our family, in our, this family and our wider family, to share their stories of how God has helped them as parents and as children. And we're going to watch our first story, and it's about how God helped my wife, Corrie, to conquer fear in her parenting. So let's watch the video. Hello. Um, when our children were small, um, I used to struggle every time they got ill. Um, I would become completely gripped with fear. So it was on and off. And as you imagine, or know, children get ill so often. And we had two children at that time, and yeah, it just kept coming back. Um, I got to the point after Lauren was ill in hospital and back home and just back and forth with different issues. I got to the point where I just didn't want to be a mum anymore. I remember saying that to myself. I just couldn't cope with the responsibility of it. Um, so I went to see a friend and she just um, pointed out really that um, God loved my children more than I did. That was the first thing. And that I was a steward of them and they belonged to him and kind of just broke the fear that I'd had for many years um, <clears throat> completely unlocked it and I just was free <laughs> I don't know how to describe it just it's never really returned that feeling of fear um, and I was no longer acting out of fear um, acting out faith and that's just something I've learnt through that really yeah great give her a clap She's down there <laughs> great so you can see can't you in Corrie's life that God broke her fear you know Corrie heard and believed the truth and started acting out of faith rather than fear and this broke things in her life that had been holding her back. And so the third word that God has given me is lead. God called Gideon, a weak man, to lead his people. And God is calling us as a church to lead our children through this time in our society, in our culture. Step by step, small action by action, we must not give up. We must not be disheartened. We must, we must continue to equip, to train, to prepare and lead our children. So how can we practically do this? Well, I've got four things. The first thing is we can lead our children to the word of God. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. In this stable, in this confused, in this contradictory world, we have a foundation to stand on. We have the words of life. We have God's word. We have absolute truth. We have what this world needs, God's word. 
And it gives us the answers. It gives us stability. It gives us hope. And we must teach our children to apply the Bible, the Word of God, to everyday life. I'm going to watch our second video from my daughter, Maya, and how she applied the Word of God in her situation. Hello. Um, I've just been asked to talk about a time where standing firm in God's Word has helped me through um, a time where I've been struggling. Um, and there's been many times, but one thing stuck out to me um, to talk about. And um, so it was basically in about year eight or year nine, um, I went to a PSHE lesson and the whole lesson was on um, a topic which kind of contradicts what we as Christians believe. Um, and I remember coming away from it just a bit shaken. Um, I remember thinking, you know, this world is so unstable and um, changing. And for a few months, it had it kind of let in lies and fears into my life. And it really did grip me for quite a few months. Um, but God, by his grace and mercy, brought me out of it. But it was, um, it wasn't quick. And um, one of the main things that did help me out of that was um, just using God's word and his truth to replace all lies and fears that um, I had let in, or yeah, that were just, um, I was living in daily. Um, yeah, and I I would just wake up, read, um, I had a bank of verses, I would read them over myself in the morning. I'd read them over myself before I went to bed. I'd read them in the day. Um, every time a lie would come in, I'd replace it with the truth and just like declare it over that lie. Um, you know, things like take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ, be still and know that I am God. Um, and also, like, God is the same yesterday, today and forever. Verses about him being stable and never changing. I really needed, needed that because coming away from that lesson, um, I just was like, this world is so unstable and it doesn't make sense. But, um, yeah, God brought me out of that and it was through using his... Um, word and truth and just understanding more of God's character and how he um, he is the same yesterday, today and forever. Goodbye. There you go. <laughs> She's not here, so I don't know why you're clapping. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, so a child confused, unsettled by what she was getting from school, by the messaging of this world. Isn't that familiar to us? but standing on God's word, applying it daily, using truth to replace the lies, helped her through it. And that's, that's, that's something that we can learn from a child, isn't it, as adults? This is how we grow and develop. And Jesus said, didn't he, to the disciples, don't, don't shoo the children away, bring them to me, because you can learn from these kids. And we can learn from our children, can't we? Their faith and their simplicity and how they, they listen to the truth and they apply it. And maybe we need to be like that sometimes as adults. But the principle here, isn't it, is that lead your children to the word of God and they will, it will do them well. The second thing is lead our children in the Spirit's power. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Jesus has given us his Spirit to draw us to God, to bring understanding to our lives, to give us power to live out our Christian lives. And we must teach our children to get to know God, to expect to hear God's voice, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and to use the gifts of the Spirit in family life, in everyday life. We're going to watch our third video from a couple that many of us got to know over the past few months, a couple called Ryan and Sarah, who are from a church in Hawaii. So, next video, please. Hi, Hope Church. It's Sarah and Ryan Burns. Um, we just love having our kids learn to hear God's voice, and we've done it from a really early age. We just have wanted it to feel as natural to them as asking Jesus into their hearts. Like, it's normal, and um, we try to make it fun. Um, we've had lots of ways that we do that, even since they were little, really little. We'll have family times when we just listen to God, turn on worship music, give them paper and coloring, and just say, let's see if God wants to say anything. And then we share. We'll, we'll do spin the bottle, which is, they don't know the real version, but whoever it lands on, we pray for them and see if God wants to say anything to them through our our kids. And um, we'll invite them into small groups and have the kids have a yeah. time to share or pray. Um, just kind of make it normal that like, yeah, God does speak to kids. Um, one of the first ways we do is to have them ask God, like, God, do you love me? And then listen to what that sounds like, what God sounds like um, when he speaks to them. Um, yeah, those are just a few of the ways that we kind of try to practice with the kids. I remember one night we were putting the kids uh, down to bed and a couple of kids were talking about hearing God's voice and kind of upset that they felt like they couldn't do it well. And Sarah, I think, said, like, well, why don't we just start and, and ask God to speak right now? And so we invited the Holy Spirit. One of the kids kind of began crying. I think they were sensing um, God's presence. And the other one ran over to the bookshelf, grabbed the Bible, came back, and you know, found this page and looked up at us and was like, you're not going to believe this. And she felt like she heard a page number. So she turned to that page number and it felt like God said one more page. She turned to that and she turned to a passage in Job where it said, essentially, like, how dare you say that God doesn't speak? He speaks in a variety of ways. I think it was from Job 33. And it was so confirming to both of them that, hey, God is here. He wants to speak to you. We love you guys. Hope this is helpful. And we hope to connect with you guys again soon. Great. Anyone got a clap? We. Oui. <laughs> so there's, that's a great example, isn't it, of a family intentionally hearing from God and applying it to their lives, encouraging and guiding their children. And it affects real change. I know in our own family life, God has spoken to us in certain ways that have really unlocked situations in our, for our children. And this isn't stuff for church. This just church, is it? This is everyday life. God gives us his spirit. He walks with us in everyday life. We need to be hearing and listening to God in everyday, in everyday life. What a privilege. What a wonderful thing that is. So let's encourage that in our children. Thirdly, we need to lead our children on the mission that Jesus has given us. Jesus commanded us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And many of us are called to live in Ipswich, and to stay here in this area. Some of us might be called to go abroad one day. Some of us might be called to go to another town or another place. You know, we're church planting all over the place, aren't we, in RM? But wherever God has called you to be, our families must be and are part of this mission that Jesus has given us. And we're going to watch our final video from a couple in our church called Ali and Alex. Sorry, I got it wrong. I got the name wrong. Alex and Ellie. <laughs> Sorry, put that down to nerves. Alex and Ellie, and I want to, we want to, let's hear from them of how they have intentionally led their kids on mission. Next video. 
Hi, we're Ellie and Alex Hawk, and we have two boys, Isaac and Joshua, and we went to Cambodia as mission workers um, when the boys were small and we've recently returned to the UK. Um, when we went to Cambodia, we had a real sense that God wanted to use our whole family mm. um, as a prophetic witness in that land. We're not a perfect family by any means, but um, we just yeah really believe that um, people in Cambodia where a lot of there's a lot of dysfunctional families needed to see yeah, a healthy mm. Christian family. Yeah. So we had quite an open house uh, while we were in Cambodia, and the boys were able to interact with those people that we were reaching out to. We wanted people to see what our family life looked like, and the boys got to take part in hospitality, and we had that had meals um, with us and with people that we were ministering to, we'd play games together with the young women that we were walking alongside. And they got to hear some of those stories and of changed lives along the way. So just being able to interact along the way with the people that we were reaching out to, I think has been been huge for them. Yeah, I think another part of um, our journey and adventure of, of living uh, on mission has been um, living by faith and mm. seeing how yeah. um, God has provided for our daily needs and how he's guided us along the way. Mm. Um, and that, yeah, that's been exciting, involving the boys in that, praying yeah. together for his provision and, and seeing amazing answers to prayer along the way. Yeah. yeah. Something we've also found really helpful is time with godly friends of the family uh, who um, have a missional mindset too and that the boys could spend time with them and you know good role models aunties and uncles and they'd come to us or we'd visit them and we were also part of a life group the children got to participate in that and with church so those other relationships have really hopefully influenced our kids lives in a really positive way as well i think uh, living in cambodia as well um the boys saw a lot Mm. of need a lot of poverty Mm. they heard and saw um you know firsthand issues like trafficking and and domestic violence um and there was some tough stuff um and Mm. one thing that was really important was that we needed to process those things um together along the way yeah well we've obviously read the bible with our kids but we've also read some other good books and biographies together, reading aloud together, talking about them. We just recently finished God's Smuggler by Brother Andrew and again threw up great conversation um, on the journey of following Jesus and what that looks like today. We want to continue uh, engaging our family in God's mission. We're in a a new mission field now as it were and and we're grateful to be a part of Great Church at Hope and where we can support each other and spur each other on in God's mission together. Right, they are in this room. Give them a clap. <laughs> so, incredible, incredible wisdom there. Incredible practical tips of how you of teaching kids to trust God's provision, of helping children understand the plight of the poor, of helping their children to you know bringing them to spiritual heroes, and these are all great things that we can do to lead our children on mission with us. And then finally. Lead our children as Jesus leads us. Jesus led with grace and forgiveness to a paralytic man. He forgave his sins and then he healed him. To a woman found in adultery, he restored her when everyone else wanted to kill her. To one of the Pharisees who came to him with questions, the Pharisees hated Jesus, but Jesus gave him him time and explained the gospel to him. 
to the criminal hanging on the cross next to Jesus. Jesus forgave his sins. Jesus showed unending grace and mercy in the midst of his suffering and pain. None of these people deserved it. And as we lead our children, we need to lead like Jesus leads. Do we accept apologies? Do we forgive or do we bring up the past? It says in Corinthians, love keeps no record of wrong. Is that how we parent our children? Jesus led with compassion. The shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. This is revealing, isn't it? That the greatest man that ever lived, the commander of the armies of heaven, wept over a dead friend. Do we show compassion to our children? Do we show our children that we have compassion for other people? Jesus gave second chances. One of the most moving stories in the Bible is when Jesus restored Peter. Peter had, lit, had betrayed him to death. And Jesus forgave him, gave him a second chance, gave him responsibility to build his church. Are we hard and relent, unrelenting parents? Are we unreasonable? Or do we teach and equip and grow and give our children second chances? The Bible says we shouldn't exasperate our kids. We shouldn't control them. But we need to give them grace and forgiveness and second chances. Jesus led with clarity. From the sending out of the, of the disciples to the Great Commission, everyone is absolutely clear what Jesus is asking. Do we bring clarity? Do we bring stability to our families? Or are we blown and tossed about by things from crisis to crisis? Jesus listened to the Father. He prayed, he spent time with God, and he acted from this. I, I, one of my most vivid childhood memories is of coming downstairs early in the morning as a child and seeing my dad huddled up in a blanket, reading his Bible, praying. I knew that my dad listened to God, and I wanted to replicate that in my family. Is that how we are with our children? Jesus applied the word of God. He started his ministry by quoting from Isaiah. When Satan tempted him, he quoted the word of God. The word of God, as we've already heard this morning, is powerful. It equips us. Do we gossip? Do we apply? Do we teach? Do we drop in the word of God into every situation in our family's life? Even if, it, even if the kids go, oh, Dad, not go on about that again. <laughs> do we do it? I do. <laughs> I don't, let's not be put off by that, by the kids' response. Let's carry on teaching them the word of God. Jesus was clear about the consequences, wasn't he? Jesus never balked from telling people that those who deliberately refuse God will spend eternity separated from the blessing of God. The Bible is clear that by nature our children are objects of wrath. We are all, by nature, objects of wrath. Our children need to find Jesus. They need to put their faith in Jesus. We need to lead our children to God. We need to set clear boundaries for our kids. Jesus led with humility. And this isn't weakness or wetness. This is being prepared to sacrifice your own desires, your own needs, for the sake of someone else. Jesus considered equality with God nothing to be grasped but willingly gave himself up to rescue us. 
do we humbly give our time up, our interests, our ambitions up to serve our children, to serve our families? Jesus set the greatest example in how to lead, and we can learn so much from him, can't we? For the band would like to come up. And the final word I want to look at this morning is supremacy. The book of Hebrews, it's going to come up on the screen, is a wonderful book. We, we did a whole series on it a few months ago. And it's a letter to the Jews who have put their faith in Jesus. And they are being persecuted, they're being pressured, they're being harassed, and they are thinking about giving up. They're thinking about going back to their old ways. And the writer of Hebrews, he writes these incredible words in chapter 10, verse 12, and chapter 2, verse 8. And they'll come up on the screen. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. In putting everything in subjection to Jesus, he left nothing outside of Jesus' control. I think we need to realise here as a church this morning that Jesus has sat down, which means he has it is finished. He has accomplished everything. He is in control. He is in all authority. Jesus has conquered sin. He's conquered death. He's defeated Satan's grip on humankind. And he has sat down. It is done. It is done. What Jesus accomplished on the cross has done incredible things. And we live in worrying times, don't we? But Jesus is in control. There's untold pressure on our children. But Jesus is in control of their lives. Wherever your child is this morning, wherever they are in life, whatever they're struggling with, Jesus is in control. And I just want to encourage you all, as parents, as families, as members of this church, whether you have children or not, don't lose heart. Don't fear. Don't fear for the future generation. You often hear people saying, I don't know what's going to happen. And sometimes I think it, what is going to happen, God? How is this going to work out for our children? But Jesus is in control. Jesus has won the victory over sin, over death. Jesus is in control. He will one day return and wrap this world up. Jesus is supreme. This week, I was um, listening to a story from someone that, um, some, a friend of ours from kind of 20 years ago, whose son um, had fallen away from God, and it's his story of how he came back to God. He had become a drug addict, an alcohol addict, a sex addict. His life was a complete mess, and his parents were faith, had been faithfully praying for him for 20 years. And Jesus walked into his room and changed his life. And it's the story of this man. He tells his story sitting there with tattoos all over his face. He's a tough boxer. Life was a mess. Jesus has transformed him and brought hope and peace and forgiveness and grace and mercy to him. We must never give up. We must never give up because Jesus is supreme. We're going to finish. If you'd like to all stand, we're going to finish with that song that we sang earlier. He... Was it? He, he reigns. 
I can never remember songs. He reigns above it all. Okay. And as we sing this song, I just want to encourage you to bring your children, to bring your families, to bring your loved ones, to bring our young people, our children in this church to God. And I just want to encourage you, if you know that you um, have fearful in your parenting, if you have worries, if you have doubts, if you need wisdom, then please do get, you know, get someone to pray with you at the end. There's a prayer team in the corner, but, you know, person next to you, if you want to just ask them to pray for you, please do that. Let's deal with stuff this morning and let's bring our young people, our children to God this morning.